Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings. The podcast where we watch, review, recap, rate, all of the good things for every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. My name is Steve. I am your host. Joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Hannah Martin. Hannah, I'm getting worse at these openings, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing fine. Thank you. How are you doing this week? Good. It's Mother's Day. It is. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Yeah, hopefully it'll be a nice little late night Mother's Day treat that (laughs) this podcast will go out, but it is pretty late tonight on Mother's Day, and it might go out the day after, unfortunately. This week, we watched a movie sort of about mothers, in a way. Sure. More so than <laughs> some of the past movies that we've seen. Absolutely. And it was The Family Man from 2000. So not to be confused with, I think there's a show on Amazon Prime called The Family Man. It's like a Bollywood show, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, we didn't watch that. We watched the Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> so before we jump right into it, I'll just give a brief overview. It is... Basically, an updated version of It's a Wonderful Life, where a man learns to value family and Mm -hmm. relationships and things like that. It's a rom-com, I would describe it as. I don't know that it was exceptionally comedic, but I laughed at a lot of parts, like genuinely. Yeah. Yeah. So the year is 2000, as I mentioned, and I've mentioned this movie on the podcast a few times. I love this movie, quite frankly. I I really like this movie. It's really cute. (laughs) Uh, So what are the critics critics saying about this? Do they agree? I mean, (laughs) all right. This is a fun movie. This Mm -hmm. is a lighthearted movie. This is a family movie. This is by no means a movie that is thought-provoking or profound or any of those types of things yeah i guess that's true (laughs) it's very paint by numbers so the critics give it a 6.8 out of 10 on imdb and a 53 percent on rotten tomatoes yeah it's kind of low pretty average like middle of the pack yeah it's it's probably rated around where other rom-coms are rated but i feel like it's pretty low in general critics hate rom-coms they do they hate rom-coms and like action movies and horror movies i think get pretty low uh low rank critics love movies about la oh my god oh have you seen that movie about how the actors were acting better than the other actors it's (laughs) such a good look into the world of los angeles who fucking cares anyway that's my little (laughs) brief rant before we jump into the movie the uh best nicholas cage scenes we'll go through those tmj I don't know what TMJ actually stands for, but it's Tempro my mandibular jaw. jaw. Too much jaw. It stands for too much jaw in this household. Basically, whenever Hannah yawns and opens her mouth too much, it makes a little clicking sound. When I ever I too much, there is jaw. <laughs> All right, let's breeze past that because it's already getting late, as we've said. (laughs) And let's jump into our first main segment of the podcast, which is learning a little bit more about Nicolas Cage's life in tribulations. My segment. You get to hear my voice. Lovely. I hate my voice, by the way. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that. (laughs) That's why you make me edit. audio medium. (laughs) I hate watching myself on film, which I know a lot of people do. Sure. And I absolutely hate listening to myself. That aside... I hope you enjoy it. So this movie was released around Christmas time, mm-hmm. December 22nd, 2000. Makes sense. It's, uh, I wouldn't call it, a, it's, it takes place around Christmas. I wouldn't call it like a Christmas movie per se. Yeah, the way the sort of like time travel and alternate realities work, it, it does take place on Christmas technically, but it's a lot of it doesn't. We'll get into it later. Yeah. It's probably as much of a Christmas movie as... Die Hard? (laughs) No. The other Nick Cage movie we saw. The Trapped in Paradise movie. Oh, God. Was that around Christmas time? I don't even remember. Yeah, Yeah, it was. There was a big Christmas Mm -hmm. festival. In that sleepy little town. Anyway. (laughs) Released um, around Christmas... Uh, it was released the same weekend as two other very popular movies, What Women Want, which oh. is a rom-com with uh, Mel Gibson Mel Gibson, and I, think I don't remember who else, Meg Ryan? 
No. Oh, Helen Hunt. I was going to say Hunt. it's someone that Nick Cage was in movies with. <laughs> and Castaway with Tom Hanks. Oh, wow. So Castaway opened first. Okay. Then What Women Want. Then What Women Want. And then coming in third was The Family Man. Okay. So budget of $60 million. It made double it. So okay. It, it, so it did pretty well. Yeah. Probably made its money back. I can't imagine. I mean, that's not that big of a budget. I was going to say, I can't really think of any. The budget was $60 million? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, probably a lot of that went to the actors, I guess. Yeah. Because there was no CGI or anything. No. Yeah. It's still a little early for good CGI. Also, rom-coms typically don't have CGI. Well, it's sort of like traveling alternate realities and, you I know, guess. He just, time travel The way sort that of. the time travel works is he goes to sleep and then he wakes up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no explosions. No. <laughs> yeah, this isn't a Bruckheimer film. <laughs> or a Bay film. Right. So I have a f- few things to share about Nick Cage's personal life. But one of the things that I wanted to mention is there is a Reddit page called Glitch in the Matrix. Have you okay. heard of this before? I Yeah, I think I know generally what you're talking about. Explains a lot of oddities, but also... Uh, talks a lot about like the Mandela effect, right? Which, if you're not familiar with it, it's um, when people think back on something and th- think about it differently than it actually happened. Is it, the best way I can right, and it's usually it. like collectively thought of. So the right. reason it's called the Mandela effect is because everybody thought he's he died. dead, but right. he was actually alive. But he's since died since yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> people thought that he died, and then it came out that he died, and they were like, "Wait, I thought he already died." Right. And then the Baron Stain Bears versus the Baron Steen Bears. Yeah, the Apparently, children's book. Apparently, the children's book is spelled Baron Stain and pronounced Baron Stain, but we all fondly remember it as Baron Steen Bears. Yes. Mandela Effect. So, Glitch in the Matrix, that's the Reddit page. There is an article or whatever Reddit post thing. I don't know what the Reddit terminology is. I'm sorry. Um, You're showing your age. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the family man and it's saying i've seen this movie multiple times and the ending was always different mm. than what i remember or the, than why when than what it actually was okay. and a lot of people agreed a lot of people mm. thought the ending was different um okay when we get to the ending we'll talk about that i'm very interested okay yeah. great that's cool yeah so that's uh the mandela effect for the family man Nothing too crazy coming behind the scenes or anything. This movie was directed by Brett Ratner. Oh, I know the name. What has he directed? He has directed the X-Men movies. Yes. Rush Hour movies. Um, but which... Hour Heist. So some of the directors or some of the X-Men movies were directed by a guy named Brian X-Men, Singer. X-Men The Last Stand. Yes. Okay. So The Last Stand ooh, is one of the one of the worst ones, quite frankly, but... Anyway, yeah. we don't have so to he, get into it. But. Doesn't matter. Okay. But he, yeah. So that X Men movie and then the Rush Hour movies. That's like okay. what I recognized. Yeah. His name from. He also was accused during the Me Too movement. So Brett that's Ratner. great for him. Yeah. Well, so was the. Uh, I was gonna say the other guy who directed the other X Men movies, Brian Singer, was accused during the Me Too movement. Lovely. I believe <laughs> Brian Singer had something to do with this movie as well. Did he really? No, never mind. Okay. So. I don't think we mentioned this yet, but Nick Cage stars with Taya Leone as his love interest. Mm -hmm. And both Steve and I agree that Nick Cage and Taya Leone have more chemistry than any other woman that he has been in a movie with so far. Yeah. Hot take, probably. I can't think of any other movie that he's had a better chemistry with. I wouldn't say so. Um, Not even his wife, Patricia Arquette, who unfortunately, and I think I've been teasing this for a few weeks, I didn't actually know what year they got divorced. They are, when this movie was released, they had filed for divorce. Wow. They filed for divorce in November. They had been separated for nine months. Wow. Um, So I did some research on their marriage in general and their divorce um pretty amicable pretty uh, i think they the whatever the legal reasoning behind the divorce was just irreconcilable differences okay. which i know is a pretty common yeah term when you're discussing divorce sure but patricia arquette didn't really talk about it until 2002 and Nick Cage has never really talked about it. And then mm. in like 2017, she was on 
one of those late night talk shows and was asked about it and and gave a little um, insight into her marriage with Nicolas Cage. Oh, boy. So she first talked about, and I mentioned this uh, many episodes ago, but I'll, I'll, I'll give a quick refresh. They met when she was like 18 in a diner. Yeah. Nick Cage and his boy Crispin Glover, who he was in a few movies with, <laughs> mm-hmm. met her at a diner and they both said they were going to marry her. And she was just a kid. She was 18. So she thought it'd be funny to give them a list of some oddities that they could procure for her in order to prove that their prove their love for her, go sure. on a quest to find these things. Um, Which is so cagey it, it, to even it, find himself in this cagey. situation. Right. Yeah. So some of those things was like an autograph from J.D. Salinger and a black orchid and... I can't even remember some of the other things, but things that are pretty difficult to uh, procure. <laughs> Good word. Thank you. <laughs> Hannah's studying for the SATs. <laughs> I heard he said procure, which is why I said it again, because I'm like, I can't think of a better word than that. <laughs> <clears throat> so weeks go by and one by one at her doorstep, these different articles of Nicolas Cage's professed love for Patricia Arquette started appearing. One might call them procurements. Procurements of uh, procure, procurity <laughs> in within uh, a procurement uh, mm-hmm. procured. Anyway, so she got all these things and was like, I'm still 18. I don't think that this is going to happen, but Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, it's not like Nick Cage was 40. He was like, what, in his early to mid-20s? Yeah, I think I don't think that they were, yeah. there's that big of an age gap between them. Right. So when she was 27 is when they met again, and he proposed to her right away, and they got married on a cliff in Carmel, California. I think, like, there were the only witnesses were, like, some sea lions or some shit like that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. So... During their marriage, they didn't really spend much time living together. Hmm. Apparently, when they bought a property together, they split it 50-50 back in 1996. So already planning that they were going to get divorced, which I guess is compared to some of the other decisions financially that Nick (laughs) Cage has made, one of the wiser. That's true. Um, And very uh, self-aware. Yeah. You know, for people in their late 20s, who grew up in famous families both yeah. both are from money it's true um grew up in the spotlight for them to be that self-aware that oh like this marriage probably isn't going to last much like m- most other hollywood marriages for them to be like maybe we should put both of our names on the title on this house so that we both get something out of it in the end like not not the not the dumbest decision. Yeah, I mean, I guess unless it makes it more difficult to split the house if the divorce were not amicable. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what happened. That is what happened. Then no, I mean, what's what happened was that the divorce was, was amicable, amicable. Yeah. right? Apparently, there were rumors going around that they had split long before 2000, Hmm. which they only got married in 1995, so I can't imagine what long before is, but like I said, this is a Hollywood marriage, and one year in Hollywood is like 10 years in real life in terms of marriage. Um, So there were times that they weren't living together because they were fighting, Um, and Patricia Arquette said that it wasn't as reported, but I didn't feel like I needed to explain myself. There were times that my mom was dying from breast cancer and I was living with her, taking care of her. There was times that he was away working on a movie. It was our thing, not living together. So I still don't feel like I owe an explanation to anyone. It's really funny that people are so wrong about it. They just put you in this position and decide who they think you are. So judging by that, I don't think there's any hard feelings at all. No, it doesn't sound like it. So a little bit about her. She... Oh, another interesting fact is that they never um, they they never slept together until their wedding night because they met when she was 18 and he just brought her weird things that she asked for and she turned him down and then they met again and then like got married like a week later. Oh, okay, All right. Not that much time in between. (laughs) Yeah, do the dirty, but (laughs) do the dirty, do the deed. 
Uh, yes. So when she was 20, she had a relationship with Paul Rossi, who was a musician, and they had a son together. And okay. that is uh, 1989, around the time that Nick Cage had his first son. So they both had a son from different relationships when they got married. When they got divorced, she married an actor, Thomas Jane, in 2002. Oh, yeah. uh, they had a daughter in 2003, and then they filed for divorce <laughs> in 2009. And, oh, wow. Um, it was finalized in 2011. And that was the only... So Patricia Arquette's only been married twice. Nick Cage has been married four times. Okay. So that's All that. Right. Well, you know, that, that's not the craziest divorce story we're going to hear. That's for sure. No, I'm sorry. I feel like I teased and I was like, oh, there's so much about this. And then I actually like ended up reading all these articles. I'm like, oh. This is yeah, like, well, it's like you Google it and, and there's, you know, thousands of articles. And then you read those articles and it's all like. The, they all say the same thing. It's all fine. <laughs> it's they all nah. say the same thing. Yeah. Okay. I'll pepper in some things here and there, but I, about the I think we're ready to go. And just to recap, you know, that whole discussion about his divorce with Patricia Arquette, I brought up because we were talking about Taya Leone and how she oh, and yeah. Nick Cage had better chemistry together than he did with his own wife when he was in Bringing Out the Dead with her. So they are divorced at this point in time when the movie was released, but I have to assume they got divorced mm. within the year movie was probably filmed earlier in the year they were probably going through a divorce while this movie was filmed which is likely an interesting movie to film while you're going through a divorce because it's right. all about family right one other thing is i watched an interview with uh, nick cage about the movie and <clears throat> the only thing that he and Taya leone was in that interview as well and the only thing that they talked about was that they just got along so well on set he had never really gotten along with another woman on set the way that he got <laughs> along with Taya leone and not like in a romantic way like mm. they were just really good friends they would laugh f about something for like an hour and just waste like an hour of film um, yeah oh that's just, nice yeah it is nice so they had a good time filming this movie together yeah i mean it's like we mentioned sarah jessica parker in honeymoon in vegas no chem no chem there was very little chemistry but they were actually together right they were sort of yeah dating, sort right? of the, here and there yeah. i think yeah interesting they anyway fling. they had a fling now i don't think there's anything about him and Taya leone no, I didn't yeah. read anything about that. Yeah, which is nice. I think <laughs> you know Nick Cage isn't uh, as big as a sleazeball as you might imagine because you know they're so close in this movie and his track record is not. Yeah. You know, yeah, he, he just filed for divorce. So yeah, that's true. He's probably he, not rushing to. He's going get into anything else. I yeah. don't think he. Oh, actually, well, he gets married. He gets married soon. pretty soon. <laughs> For four months. We'll talk about that uh, when it happens. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. You want to jump into the movie? Let's do it. Okay. We'll go through the movie as quickly as possible. Nick Cage scene by Nick Cage scene. He's in pretty much every scene, so I'll gloss over a few of them for sure. The movie opens up with Nicolas Cage and Taya Leone. They're at the airport. Nicolas Cage is about to go on some big internship over in London, I believe. So mm -hmm. she's like, don't go, don't go. And then he's like, it's going to be fine. I have to do this for my career. Like He's like, I love you no matter what. And, and a year in London isn't going to change that. And then, of course, it flashes forward 13 years later. And a year in London apparently changed that because he completely forgot together. all about her. Mm -hmm. They're not together. He's with some other hot blonde woman. I will say, though, they didn't do too much to try to make them look younger. They made her, they gave oh, yeah. her hair, like long hair, and then she has shorter hair for yeah. the rest of the movie. But he looks exactly the same. <laughs> so Steve and I were like, are we supposed to believe that these people are like 22 years old? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they're clearly not. Because he was like, I have to go for this internship and you should go to law school. Yeah. Yeah. And also also what we found out in this first scene, we played this first scene a million times because we couldn't get the subtitles off of the movie. Oh my God. <laughs> and every subtitle was like a scene and a half behind, which makes no sense when you read the subtitles with the scene. It was hilarious It was though. great. So it's 13 years later. He's with some younger woman in his fancy apartment in, in downtown manhattan mm -hmm. and he's just talking to the to the girl and it's christmas eve so that's like i said you know it all takes place around christmas time and he's they're talking he's talking to the girl and he does have a little bit of like a like a little grumble at her mm -hmm. do you remember that mm -hmm. it, was, it was a little nouveau shamanic moment the girl leaves there are plenty more and maybe you know the name of the song because i think this first scene I've... is the most nouveau shamanic moment i think <laughs> 
uh, it's just going through iconic. Minutes. It's very iconic. It's LaDonna E. Mobile. E. Mobile. Mobile. It's the dun dun da 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 da. So, do you recall hmm. that this song appeared in other Nicolas Cage movies? Not off the top of my head, no. Which this one? song was in Honeymoon in Vegas no. and Guarding Tess. Oh, God. Your favorite. Guarding Tess was such trash. <laughs> Honeymoon in Vegas had its moments, but God, Guarding Tess was trash. It was a yeah. comedy and it never made me laugh. Awful. So that song is from an opera called yes. Rigoletto. And in the opera, the song is sung by a womanizing duke who describes women as flighty and untrustworthy when in actuality, the duke is the flighty and untrustworthy one. This is similar to how Jack is at the start of the film, a wealthy, irresponsible philanderer who is blind to his own flaws. Wow. There's a lot more depth to that song choice than I thought. Absolutely. So as he's singing along to the song, he's in his briefs briefs not boxers not boxer briefs ladies and gentlemen (laughs) (laughs) his nice chic black briefs he's dancing around his apartment he's kind of like jogging across his apartment as he's putting on an expensive ass suit (laughs) he at one point like does a big sweeping air guitar to the song he does which is fantastic and he makes it i think with his voice too right yeah yeah it's like like it's like that's not okay fine fine nick cage and it's it's a great a great start it's to the awesome. film. Very cagey right off the bat. He jumps in the elevator and has this weird flirtatious relationship with this elderly woman in his building. <laughs> and he's like, when are we finally going to bang, old lady? He's not that explicit. <laughs> but And she's like, oh, wouldn't you like to know? Yeah, yeah. So he's in the car. He's in his Ferrari. And the song's still going. He's waving his hands like he's conducting. He goes to his office. And it's Christmas Eve, everybody's working extra overtime, and it's because there's a big merger coming up, right? Mm, always a, a merger. There's a big business merger. It's business, business, business. And this is one of very few times in Nick Cage's film career that he's playing like a professional, mm-hmm. a yeah. corporate man. Yeah, he's always either a cop or a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this big merger, and he finds out that, that Taya Leone called him. Earlier in the day, his, his secretary was like, "Ah, oh, your old girlfriend called. He's like, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll call her back later, whatever. He ultimately... Oh. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, I forgot that happened. Yeah, oh, I thought you said no. And I was like, no, no, no. I, yeah, it happened. Yeah. So that's... But Is, there's a reason. We'll get into later. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the box. cut this out. <laughs> because of the box. Because <laughs> of that box. Because of her box. Her box. <laughs> She's got a box. With his name on it. Ew. In more ways than one. I'm leaving this in. <laughs> all very literal. Yeah. So he convinces all of his coworkers. We'll switch gears here. <laughs> he convinces all of his coworkers to come in the next day on Christmas Day to work because of this big merger and this big emergency meeting. And he's on his way home. He walks. He's walking home. And he stops at a convenience store for some eggnog. And who's in that convenience store who bursts in but Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. The Cheeds. So Don Cheadle bursts in <laughs> to the fucking convenience store. And he's holding up the place, basically. He pulls a gun, right? And Nick Cage goes over to Don Cheadle. And he's like, what What do you want? Don Cheadle's like, well, I want them to catch this lottery ticket. But they're saying it's fake. So that's why he pulled the gun. And Nick Cage goes... I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a business proposition. And Nick Cage saves the day with business because he knows business, business, business. business. (laughs) So it's pretty cheesy. But he then starts walking down the street with Don Cheadle. And he's like, you know, I could probably get you a job and maybe get you some help. You know, I I can do this for you. And Don Cheadle goes, yeah, what do you need? And Nick's like, I got everything I need, baby. And it turns out that... Nick Cage goes back to his apartment, he falls asleep, and Don Cheadle must have been some type of Christmas elf because Don Cheadle has magical powers and he's the one who sends him not back in time but to an alternate reality. Right. Yeah. Christmas elf. He's some kind of Christmas magical elf. Magical Christmas fairy. So this is only like 20 minutes into the movie. We're like off and running with this movie. It's it, great. Yeah. It moves I, quickly. I love it. I was it. never bored. Absolutely. No, I feel the same way. You know I was never kept bored. Me, kept me on my toes. What? <laughs> subtitles. The subtitles. <laughs> that were 10 minutes behind. They were way behind. I don't it know was why. like at this point in the movie when he's talking to Don Cheadle, the subtitles are still from when he's back at the office. Yeah. Like 
being like, oh, the merger, the business, the merger. The <laughs> business merger. <laughs> so he wakes up in the suburbs. Taya Leone's cuddling him. You know, it's it's very classic body switching type mm-hmm, of thing. It's like, mm-hmm. what? I have kids? What? I have a dog? What? And it's Christmas morning. So he goes downstairs and his in-laws are coming in. And he's like, oh, uh, Ed and Darlene or something. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, it's good to see you. And, and you know, it's just that kind of... he hasn't seen them in 13 years. Right. <laughs> it's that kind of predictable thing, but he plays it well. So he borrows one of their cars and he drives into the city to try to go to his old apartment because he's like, how did he I wake up here? He one of their cars. He takes a minivan. He takes his own minivan. Doesn't matter. It's it's important because oh, I have a fact a, about oh, it. <laughs> so earlier in the movie, he owns a Ferrari. Yes. And he walks outside and he's like, where's my Ferrari? And then the father-in-law is like, you have a minivan. Right. So apparently Nick Cage owned that identical Ferrari and like... And then sold it a year before the movie. Oh. So when they were picking the car, he was like, oh, this is a really nice car. You should do this one. I used to have one. Nice. Yeah. Well, that makes sense then. And then the minivan, it's pretty ratchet. (laughs) And (laughs) I can't find the exact thing, but oh yeah, here it is. Like there's a few times that the minivan doesn't start when it supposed to yeah and it was just a happy accident oh that's cool that's nice so they just kept it in oh i thought it added to it yeah i think so frustration and you know the the difference between his minivan and his ferrari yeah definitely Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's fun yeah aren't you glad we talked about the minivan i guess and (laughs) so he drives all the way in the minivan to his old apartment and he sees his doorman and the old lady that he has this weird saucy relationship with and there's just a series of screams that I'll insert here that are great. What? What are you talking about? Jack Campbell, Penthouse Seat. What's the matter with you? Mrs. Pearson, I think there's something wrong with our man Tony here. Oh, come on. What is going on with you two this morning? Is this like a, uh, a Christmas joke? Who is this man? Well, um, we're on the co-op board together, Betty, and we fought side-by-side for garbage disposals, and every morning we exchange quasi-sexual witty banter, okay? Should I call the cops? I'm gonna call the cops. No, I'm gonna call the cops! You're scaring me! No, 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 no. Oh, thank you. Thank you for not calling the cops. Now, I'm going upstairs, we're gonna get some sleep, and then I'll be a shelter. Hey, hey, are you, are you smacked out of your head? I'm the richest man in this building! I've got twice the square footage you have, and I'm going upstairs. Oh, not cool. Not cool! You want to get cute? Get cute. I'm going to go to my office. I'm going to file a complaint to the manager of the building. I'm going to have you fired, Tony. And Mrs. Peterson, you're on notice with the co-op board, so you better just stop whatever this is that you're doing. (laughs) So those are good. And just he's screaming like every other line. He so, screamed a lot in this movie. Yeah. So as you heard in those screams, he's pissed. He's going back to his office because he can't get into his apartment. And he gets to the office and the, the again, the doorman's like, hey, you know, we're closed. You can't come in here. And Nick Cage delivers some of the worst <laughs> acting in this whole movie. And it's just this one scene to his credit. But he's, he's like, well, what do you mean I can't come in here? And he really like slowly lifts his hand to his chin and just holds it there really, really awkwardly. Like, that was a direction he didn't want to take or something. (laughs) And he does this big dramatic point. He's like, I work in the building right here. And he points to where his name should be on the wall. And it's somebody else's name. It's not my name. Yeah, it's like really obvious. So he walks out to the street. And what does he see? But his old Ferrari and El Donde LaDonna Immobile or whatever is playing. Mm -hmm. And who's driving? But the Cheeds. The Cheeds. The Cheeds. The Christmas elf. The magical Christmas fairy. <laughs> and so they're driving in the car. He's explaining like, yeah, you know, you said you have everything. I'm here to show you that you're not. This is just a glimpse of what your life could be. And Nick Cage is screaming every line at mm. him. So another tirade. Rightfully so. Yeah. I'll pu- pissed. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll put it in here. What's happening to me? Oh, brought water myself. I didn't do anything. You mean because you thought I was cocky? I'm now on a permanent acid trap. Just tell me what's happening to me in plain English with, without the mumbo jumbo. A glimpse. A, a glimpse of what? Time. How much time? Okay, look. Look, I, I, I just want my life back, okay? Now, now what's it gonna take? You wanna talk turkey? Let's talk turkey. How much money? Why not? 
figure it out. Figure out what? I don't have time for this right now. I'm in the middle of a deal. One of the best lines of that is, I'm on a permanent acid trip. Oh, yeah. Good line. It's a good one. So he's yelling everything. He also says mumbo jumbo in a really funny way. I don't remember how he said it, but I wrote it down. <laughs> and Don Cheadle gives him a, a little bell that you might put on a, on a bicycle, right? Right. Be, you know, hey, if you need anything, ring the bell. He didn't say that, though. He didn't say that explicitly, but it does come back <laughs> later in the movie. And I honestly wouldn't have picked it up if we didn't have the subtitles on. So, <laughs> so the next couple of scenes are, are kind of what you would expect, right? So he's back at his house. The family's worried. Oh, he does run into his buddy Jeremy Piven, who lives down the street, who's your favorite character in one of these types of movies. The guy that's just like, hey, man, I know things seem crazy right now. Trust me, I feel the same way. He's like, that's not my wife. Hey, you know, every wife changes over the years, right, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. So... He's a friend in there that he's in there for exposition. He goes back he goes back to the house and he's That yeah. is so stupid. Yeah. All the yeah. like any movie like this, you know, the main actor who doesn't know where he is will say something that it should be taken in that context. Mm-hmm. But the character that he's speaking to will take it out of context and you know, he'll be like where am I? And he'll be like, oh, none of us really know. We're all having these existential crises right now, man. Right. It's okay. Like, you'll get through this. And it's like, that's my wife. And it's like, hell yeah, it is. You should be proud of that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course it's your wife. Why are you asking me? Right. Yeah. I it's just like, have two kids then? Yeah, man. Sometimes yeah, it feels like four. Yeah, but... two, you know, three, whatever. <laughs> well, however many kids you want. I mean, man, you, you got this. Right. Like just it's a like... character who's completely oblivious, but also provides <laughs> the audience a little bit of exposition. Yep. Yeah. Do you remember the grandparents and Peggy Sue got married? Remember she went to the grandparents and they were like, yeah, no, no, we know you're a time traveler. It's totally fine. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> No! Oh my god, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, you blocked out a lot of that movie. That movie's hilarious from from your perspective. <laughs> that makes that movie so much worse. Absolutely, it does. <laughs> so he goes back to his house and he finds out that he's got to go to some party tonight because otherwise he'll be left home with alone with the kids. Sorry. I know, I'm just going to power through. <laughs> he gets to this party and there's this like you know, really seductive neighbor who's hosting the party that he has a brief interaction with. She'll come back later, so we'll we'll touch on that later on. He gets back to his house. He's, you know, he's like, I guess I have to walk the dog. I guess I have to, you know, change the baby and stuff like that. And while he's changing the baby, the daughter, who's like four, five, adorable, by the way. Loved this loved little girl. Loved this little girl. She kind of picks up. She's like, you're not my real daddy, are you? And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> And she's like, are you an alien? (laughs) And we're like, oh my God, you're so cute. So the daughter's helping him out and and he drops the kids off at at, preschool. It's a real I love you 3000 moment. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's very like Morgan Stark. So he drops the kids off at preschool or, or daycare or whatever. And the girl just goes, this is where humans take their babies before they have to go to work on earth. And he's like, well, where do I work? And she goes, you work at Grandpa's place, Big Ed's Tires. And he's like, I'm a tire salesman. I, oh, oh, I was the big hotshot in New York City, and now I sell tires in Jersey. And he's all pissed about it. So he has a brief <laughs> and scene And she's there. like, yes, you do. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, of course. So he gets into his office at, at the tire place, and he has a really nouveau shamanic sip of, of whiskey. <laughs> he's just like, oh, I needed this whiskey. So he's back home and he's watching the deal, the big merger go through on TV and he yells at the TV. Mm-hmm. The That's my deal. Ironically, Mintz first met Thomas at a Lamaze class. While coaching what? his pregnant wives, Mintz and Thomas struck up a dialogue and two months later, the deal with Mentech was born. He wasn't the architect. I'm the Mentech architect. Now, Which is like, it's not the best scream. We've heard some greater yeah. screams already. I get it. I get it though. Makes yeah. sense why he would scream. Yeah. They always talk about these screams in in context. Would they make sense? Like, would someone actually scream about that? Or Mm. is it just Nick Cage screaming for the sake of screaming? Right. And those are our favorite screams, usually. Usually, yeah. So, Taya Leone wants some sexy time, but he can't quite bring himself to do it for some reason. Even though she's a total babe 13 years later. Uh, They end up at a family trip to the mall. 
and he goes into this really nice suit store and he tries on this expensive suit and he like smolders at himself mm, in the yeah. mirror and Tay Leone's like, well, you can't buy that suit. I know it's nice and all, but like it's $2,400 and we just can't afford it. And he just starts being a turd out of nowhere. He's like, you've squashed all my dreams. Yeah. Blah, blah. He's like yelling at her in the middle of the total store. Dick. Yeah, a total dick. I'll probably insert a few clips here. I can't believe it isn't a disappointment to you. Jesus, Kate, I could have been a thousand times the man I became. I could have been one of the richest forms. How could you do this to me? How could you let me give up on my dreams like this? Really, I want to know. All right, look, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm sorry I was such a saint before, and I'm, I'm such a prick now. But maybe I'm just not the same guy that I was when we got married. Forget it. We'll get a funnel cake. It'll be the highlight of my week. But How long after uh, Christmas do you think this is? Well, I think they were doing like returns and okay, stuff, so maybe so like a week after. or two after Christmas. Right. Yeah, so he, he's it, he's time, still new to this. Yeah, so time doesn't really it's not really evident for a while, like how how much time has passed. Right. But the, in that little tirade he had, the best thing that happened was when he yelled the word prick, he like put his hand up near his face with his <laughs> fingers up in a weird formation, just like yes. yeah, I'm a prick or whatever he says, mm-hmm. prick, and he yep. throws his hands up. Good. Very good. So very good. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. I highly recommend. <laughs> so they're on the car ride home and he finds out that he's like, well, how did we get here? And basically was their daughter was a, they were living in New York together when they were young. Their daughter was a surprise. Tay Leone's dad had a heart attack. So he needed help at the office or at, or at the tire, at the tire shop. So Nick Cage filled in and that's, that's what happened to his life. More exposition. Exactly. Where he was like, can you just uh, explain to me? what happened and she's just not you know she's just very willing to share those details right. that realistically he should know because he was there for yeah she was like ah well then the heart attack and he's like you had a heart attack it's like no my dad had a heart attack what are you talking about <laughs> so he then goes bowling with his neighborhood buddies and apparently in his fictional life he's a great bowler but in real life he's not a good bowler so he does have a quick scream of like yes Victorious! Ha ha! Ha ha! Ha ha! Ha ha! Alright! High five! Mm-hmm. Uh, because he hits like four pins. Yeah. And for some reason, the saucy redheaded neighbor chick is there bowling by herself. She's probably just in her own league. Yeah. That's but what these people in New Jersey do. But he's like, oh uh, yeah, we should finally sleep together. When it's like, why... Tay Leone's very attractive. Yeah, and you haven't slept with her yet. You haven't slept with her yet. So and he's ch- Try her out first. Yeah. And then maybe. He's like, well, the rules don't apply to me. I can sleep with whoever I want. All right, well, we'll sleep with Tay Leone first. Right. Then maybe Cheadle will be like, ah, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> the god character of Don Cheadle. The Christmas fairy elf. The Christmas fairy elf who shows you the real meaning of Christmas. So... He get- I will say, though, for all mm-hmm. these types of movies, you know, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, family is important. And for a lot of people, family is everything. But it, that doesn't have to be life for everybody. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, it's right. like there was nothing wrong with his life before. No. I other mean, than the fact like he probably wasn't the nicest person. Well, and also it was like he was making his colleagues right. work, on, work Christmas on Christmas. And a lot families. of them cared about their families. Right. So just be more considerate of other people <laughs> with families. Done. That would be a great ending to the movie. It's just like, like he never goes to find Taya Leone again. <laughs> right. He's just like, oh, now I understand. Uh, you know what, Alan? Now you take the day. Be with your family. And then it's just, I'm going to keep banging whoever I want. <laughs> <laughs> so Spoil the ending, Steve. Sorry. So he gets home and he does what I think he should have done from the beginning, which is he watches a home recording video, like yep. like a home movie. Mm-hmm. And he only watches one of an anniversary or, or a that birthday. Now he knows everything. Yeah. <laughs> of like Taya Leone's birthday. And he's like, okay, got it. You have a shelf full of old home. Get caught up, man. Study a little. You're going to be trapped here for a while. Yeah. Theoretically. So... The next morning, turns out it's him and Taylor on his anniversary, and he had no idea. I mean, it's not his fault. So the daughter helps him figure out what to do, which is, I'm going to take her out for a night on the town in New York City. All the places I know, you know. So they go to... All the hoity-toity places. Of course. 
they go to a restaurant. He has a nice little bite of a scallop, and he just has that like orgasmic look in his face when he does it. He hasn't eaten anything in a while. Like it was the first time that he's ever consumed food. Yeah, it's he, been a while. He did have a moment where he had to eat like this spinach puff or something at the party with the saucy redheaded. I remember chick, that, but. It was supposed to be awkward and funny because she shoved it into his mouth and he wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really mention it. But so they they get a hotel in New York City after they eat and in they're in this fancy restaurant. And he's like, let's get up and slow dance together. And it was quite nice. And Hannah and I are like, they have so much chemistry. So this much is chemistry, where we really two. chem. Yeah, absolutely. Much more than his own wife. So he's back home and he's back in work and, he, and he's feeling good. He's getting into a routine. Then he's at work and his old boss pulls up. He's like, oh, I got a flat tire. I need a new tire. His old boss. And he quickly impresses his old boss, gets a quick meeting with his old boss and the guy who has his old job. Mm-hmm. And he goes. In his other life, not his old job, just the right. job that he has. Yeah, in his exactly. Other life. Mm-hmm. And he does this whole thing where he's like, well, I might not know much, but I know business and Wall Street business. And the merger is- that you did was shouldn't have been done that way. Here's how you shouldn't have done it instead. He goes, Wall Street business is the same as selling tires. And Hannah's like, no, it's not. <laughs> and he's like, I might not know what you guys do, but I know people. And then he just exploits everything he knows about these people because he actually knows who they are. Right. Yeah. He's like, people are people everywhere. I'm like, mm, are they? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so he lands the the his i guess on his way to his old job in his other life and he doesn't tell tay leone but the job comes with an apartment so he brings her to the apartment and he's like we can live here our kids can live here we can have everything and she's like we built a family in that other house what are you mm-hmm. talking why didn't you tell me until now right. and he does this he just starts being a turd again and he quotes john lennon and he plays the man card where he's like, I'm a man. I need to do this because I'm a man. Do you know why we remember that he quotes John Lennon? <laughs> well, because I, four yeah. scenes later, <laughs> yeah. we started paying attention to the subtitles again. And that quote came up and <laughs> we laughed about it. Yeah. So he heads back So he heads back home. He kind of apologizes. He heads back home. And Tay Leone's like, look, if you really want this, I'll move because love. Then... <laughs> he's you know playing with his daughter and the daughter doesn't think he's an alien anymore and (laughs) he's finally everything's all good and his daughter comes up while they're playing on her bicycle and she rings the bell and he's like what are you doing she's like i'm just ringing my bell on my bicycle he's like okay he i guess he forgot or something and he goes to the convenience store convenience store just to get a few things and who's working the cashier the cheats (laughs) the cheats is back and he's like what are you doing here he's like well you rang the bell and he's like, no, I, you can't. You can't let me go. You, I, I, I've got kids. I'm staying. He, he's like, this was just a glimpse, it's man. It's a glimpse. It's how it works. So he heads home. He kisses his kids goodbye. He tries to stay up all night, but he, he can't a quite. sleepy little bugger. He's a sleepy little guy. He's got two kids. He's a little sleepy guy. <laughs> so he falls asleep staring at Taya Leone. Wakes up in his in his fancy apartment in his old life it's christmas day again mm-hmm. and he you know the, the blonde chick shows up in lingerie at his front door and right. he walks right past her he goes uh he goes to the house that he had his family with and the family's not there he goes to the office he has this weird speech about how he's so alone and he's like yeah he's like i'm Very i guess sad. i'm gonna go do this merger now and instead of going to the do the merger he decides to follow up with tay leone's phone call and see what she wanted he goes over to her place right, remember she, at the beginning of the movie she calls yes that hannah forgot until we started talking about it now but oh, i completely forgot he goes over to her place and and she's got all these moving boxes and movers and people on the phone talking to assistants and shit yep. and she's living in a ritzy uh townhouse in manhattan yep and she's like oh, i had this box of your old stuff the box the box what's in the box <laughs> and uh she goes yeah take this and he's like no get coffee with me and she's like i'm sorry i'm moving to paris mm-hmm. I'm, I'm flying out she's tonight got this whole different life she's no longer a not-for-profit lawyer she is a for-profit lawyer oh yes making the big bucks oh yes and uh before the movie ends as it begins in an airport scene nick cage stops at his apartment and plays with a yo-yo for far too long <laughs> because because it was in the box he's looking through the box yeah but Hannah and I are like, why, why? Just go to the airport. Just gonna, just why are we looking at this? It was just a quick five minutes of sad boy Nikki. 
I think um, I read that one of the things in the box is this cologne, which yeah. is an Easter egg because it's Elvis's favorite cologne and Nick Cage loves Elvis. Uh, okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, so he, of course, as we said, ends up at the airport and he tries to convince her to stay and he's like, just get a cup of coffee. I'm sure there's a later flight. And she's like, no, I'm getting on the plane. Like, I'm sorry, you missed your shot 13 years ago. Right. <laughs> And he starts yelling across the way. And I won't, because it's not like a real yell. um, I won't put it in, but it's, he just starts being like, we We had a family, we had a life together. You know, our kids were like this and you were like that. And I was like this. We should be together. She's like, okay, you sly dog. (laughs) This is also pre 9-11. So he is able to just like run through the airport with no boarding pass. It's like getting on a bus. Security. Yeah, you can just walk in. (laughs) So... She agrees to a coffee, and then we don't hear their conversation, but the camera slowly pans out as they're having a cup of coffee in right. the airport lounge, and the credits roll. So you remember the glitch in the Matrix? Yeah, what's the gl- Yeah. so what's the ending that everybody thought happened? He thought that a lot of people actually thought that they had their kids at the end, that they got oh. another chance. He got another chance with the family. Mm-hmm. But he has to start over with the family. Well, he doesn't remember it that way. And a lot of people don't remember it that way. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if they're... It's it's a similar... I mean, that... The, the glitch in the Matrix ending is similar almost to, like, Jumanji's ending, right? Where, you know, they, they end up going back in time. And then when they become adults, they find the kids that were part of the movie the whole time kind of thing. It reminds me of the ending of Jumanji. You remember that? No. Remember they throw a big Christmas party at the end of the movie and they're like, hey, Don, whatever, come on over. Hey, meet my kids. And it's the kids that they experienced Jumanji with. It was a young Kirsten Dunst. (laughs) I probably wasn't picked up on the mic, but there was a pregnant pause that had a stomach growl. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Nope. Okay. Good talk. So, any other closing thoughts of the movie, Han? No, this is cute. It was we great. enjoyed it. Very yeah. uh, easy watch. A- absolutely easy watch, and and it was a nice amount of caginess. I thought it wasn't yes. too much. It wasn't too little. Yeah, and I thought it fit his character well. Sometimes he's cagey, and you're like, "Where's this coming from?" Yeah, like exactly. The last movie we watched. I don't remember what was the last movie we watched. Was it Bringing Out the Dead? No, it was. Um, gone in 60 seconds yeah yeah (laughs) all right so next up we've got some nick cage awards the best and worst of the movie best supporting actor that's an obvious the little girl she was so cute so cute aliens there was a whole scene she did with a chocolate milk mustache she was like can you make chocolate milk (laughs) and he's like i I can try i think i can try (laughs) she's like talking to him with a big chocolate milk mustache so cute adorable best dressed is it the ugly green suit that that he puts on is probably or is it his undies oh his briefs yeah the briefs i'll give it to the briefs because we were both like whoa yeah why (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah weird another weird easter egg i guess you could call it okay in his rich life he wears briefs and then when he wakes up in his poor life whatever his family life he's wearing boxers right right I wonder if it's because he knows that like his kids wake him up every morning or at least his kids wake him up on Christmas. So it's it's almost like he's wearing shorts. If you have children and you're a man <laughs> and you are underwear, write in and right let in. us know. Let us know what you wear. <laughs> uh, that, so that's the best dress. What was the worst Nick Cage scene? Was it at the end with the yo-yo? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so stupid. The best Nick Cage scene. I don't know what the best scene would be. There was a lot of like kind of quick scenes. It's probably the opening. Yeah. We'll probably give that opening a few awards because up next is the best Nick Cage scream. I don't think that was in the opening. It's probably when he's in the car with Don Cheadle. It was something about poison. I'm I'm on a permanent acid trip. That or when he yells prick. Oh, that's when he's at the, the, he's trying on the suit. Oh, yeah. So he yells a lot of cheeds in the car. Um, he also has a lot of yells at the doorman and the old lady at his mm, old yeah. apartment. So let that, me, um, those were some a, good screams. Let me find like a compilation. Okay. 
Is it the prick? I don't think so. I think it's probably a permanent acid trip. Yeah, yelling at the cheats in the yelling car. Yelling at Cheedy. Yeah, Cheedy. <laughs> the man, the myth. All right, so that's the best scream and the most nouveau shamanic moment. Like I said, I think a clear front runner is right in the beginning when he's dancing to the song. Yes. So Specifically the, yeah. when he turns it into a rock musical. Yes, and he starts playing air guitar while singing along to that song. There so. are a few moments in this movie that are pretty nouveau. Oh yeah, lots of stuff. Um, you know, I mean, not just that. He, he's got all, he's got that scene of like terrible acting where he puts his hand to his chin, as we mm, discussed yes. earlier. He eats and drinks things very in a really funny way. He makes a crazy face at one point. Uh, that yo-yo, I think, honestly, was probably <laughs> his choice, which was just so weird. So that's gonna do it, I think, for the Nicolas Cage Awards for mm-hmm. the Family Man. Next up. Where are we ranking this one? I think I know where I want to rank it, but you have ultimate say for the rankings. What yeah, do you think? Yeah, I have all the power in this relationship. Yes. We like this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it was a rom-com and lighthearted comedy, whatever you want to call it, mm. uh, not much substance there. Not that any of his movies have any substance, <laughs> other than maybe Leaving, leaving Las, Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas, yeah. Um, I think pretty high. Because mm-hmm. he is cagey in this. Agreed. Um, when he, he doesn't really have to be. Oh, other fun fact. Hmm. John Travolta was considered for the lead in this, oh my in God. this movie. I'm... And it wouldn't have been as fun. No. no, I agree with you. I think it's much better as Nicolas Cage as opposed to John sure. Travolta. Okay, so then let's start at the top. Vampire's Kiss. Okay. Deadfall. A, a top no. maybe like after five. Okay, well, number five is Racing with the Moon. Hmm. What's four? Face off. Between those? That's what I. That's exactly. You know, you and I had. We're just. We're just so insane. We're on the same page, so that's going to put it in the number five spot. Cool. I like it there. I like it there a lot. As Whoa, I've said from the beginning. All right. Beginning. Calm down. <laughs> I've said from the beginning. I love I this like movie. I like it there a lot. All right. So that's the rankings. Next time we are watching the one and only Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Oh. Anything else to add for this weekend? No, I'm I'm all good. How about you? All set. Do you feel a stronger sense of what you want from your life after watching this movie? Are you going to be a family man or are you going to be a Wall Street man? Because ah. apparently there's only two options. You Wall- can't you can't have both. Wall Street. Wall Street all the way, baby. <laughs> gonna kick you. I'm to already the curb. halfway there. Yeah, you are honestly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and now you know why the Nick Cage bird sings. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Take care.